Welcome to Devil in Detail. I'm Rob Parks and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining the show this week, as ever, we have Paul Whiteside. Alright, Paul? Hey, Rob, you okay, mate? You having a good week, mate? Yes, I'm really good, mate, yeah. Really good enjoying the uh, time off and uh, chilling. Yeah, and looking forward to the new season and the World Cup as well. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting couple of days, England and the World Cup. We're going to be talking all about later. What else are we on the show this week, Paul? Yeah, we've got quite a bit of news coming out of the club, Rob. We've got the amateur report and like you said, we're going to be looking at the... Uh, World Cup final on Saturday morning against Australia. Cool. So what we'll do, we'll start with the news coming out of the club this week. So, Paul, news coming out of the club. First bit of news, good news. Chris Wellham has signed a contract extension uh, at the Sulphur Devils. Uh, great news for us, the fans. Yeah, certainly to get to get Chris tied down. I thought he had a really good season last year. He... Um, very solid, out and out centre, formed a really good partnership with Greg Johnson, I thought, in the earlier stages of the season. And, um, you know, he's a good guy to have around the squad, and he's got a lot of experience, got a good try record wherever he's been. Hulk Air, Bradford, he's had like a try a game or something like that. And I thought he'd, he chipped in well for us last season, didn't he? Had to work on his defence a bit, and I think he did. But, um, you know, we're a bit low on numbers as well now, so to secure these guys, these experienced guys, I think is a step in the right direction. I think it's important uh, for the likes of Ian Watson to be able to kind of get these players back, the likes of uh, Chris Wellham. Like you said, he formed a great partnership with Greg Johnson on that side of the field. A lot of attacking potential on that side, which we used, I thought, uh, and hopefully more to come uh, in 2018. Yeah, you can't buy experience, can you, Rob? Sometimes we brought some young players in, but you need the experienced guys there as well, don't you? And we've got quite a bit of that in the, in the side now, you know, with guys like... Copy and Mark Flanagan, the, the seasoned professionals now, aren't they? Josh Jones. You've got that element in your team. So Chris Wellen, he brings that to the backs, doesn't he? There's quite a bit of inexperience in there. You know, like to Chris Bryan and the new lad that's come in, little John. So you need the guys like Wellen in there to, to, to guide them around the park, don't you? And I'm sure, I'm sure Chris is going to have another big season. Yeah, looking forward to another shirt of him playing in the, uh, in the centre position. For me, he's one of the, one of the top centres we've had at this club. I know we've had a few good centres, haven't we? But, you know, we know where the line is. He can make a break as well. And it's good to keep him in a red shirt. He certainly does, and he's not a utility player. We mentioned that in the podcast mm. last season. We? A lot of players, that, you know, this this sort of day and age, they play him all over the show, don't they? But Chris is a centre, and that's all he is, isn't he? But he's a very good centre. He does his job really well. Like we said before, create space for Greg Johnson when he played with Greg, and, he, and you know, Greg will be the first to admit he put him in for a lot of tries last season, didn't he? He created the chances, and that's what you need. And I'm, I'm sure Chris will be vying for a, for a centre position. And I mean, we, we've got Daryl at Alfords, haven't we? That's coming in. He's he's a youngster, and. Uh, Hopefully he's going to be pushing the likes of Chris Willow and Josh Jones in the centres as well. Who else have I missed? Who else played in the centres, Rob? Junior Sow. Junior Sow as well. Uh, Chris Bibby. That's, that's uh, the one. Jake Bibby. Jake Bibby, that's the one I was after there, yeah. So we've got a bit of competition there now in the centres and... Uh, I'm expecting, I'm expecting a good season. Yeah, obviously Ian Watson and Ian Blaze still in the negotiation phase in the off-season, wheeling and dealing in the transfer market. You know, we're looking forward, hopefully, to bring a few more players in because we've we've lost a few in this off season with Ben and Masala going to Warrington and you know Todd Carney leaving and Ollie Krasniki leaving the two Warns leaving. So you need to bring players in, don't you, to replace uh, the gaps that they fill? Yeah, Michael Dobson retiring as mm. well, and you know we had two youngsters that were pushing for first team spots last season in uh, Connor Williams and Liam Bent. They've also left, so there's quite a lot of players gone there, and we've not really signed as many you know, to fill those spaces at the moment so we had a bit low on numbers and as we found last season when we got a few injuries that's when his squad really gets tested um, so we got, we, I think we need one or two more signs I mean I don't know if we're going to sign anymore or not you probably know more than me Rob you're, uh, you're on Twitter I'm not so <laughs> you, you find out more things than I do but, um, but yeah I'd say we needed one or two more signs but a lot's going to hinge on, on Jack Little John I think he's going to have quite a bit on his shoulders mm. and I'm expecting him to be a really good player and He's got a big boost to fill there in Michael Dobson. You know, Michael Dobson was the general there, wasn't he? We don't know a lot about this little John, do we? I've seen some videos of him on YouTube, but a lot of them were about five or six years ago, so I don't really know how he's been, um, how he's gone. But the, the signings we, we've made, I think, have been shrewd signings. I think Luke Burgess is a good signing. I think Gavin Benyon's a forward who's got a lot to prove. Daryl Alferts as well is a guy that's coming in from a lower league, and he's going to have it all to prove as well. Um, so, so yeah, I think the signings have been very positive. I think it's a massive thing, the squad. Obviously, Ian Watson talked about front-loading, didn't he, uh, last season, hoping for more of the same. But to do that, you need a strong squad who are, who are fit and, and physical and ready in that time of the season. 
I'm just hoping that they get a few more bodies through the door uh, and we build this squad because we want we don't want to be in that bottom four do we Paul because obviously there's a lot of big teams in, in that second you know the first division now and we don't want to be scrambling around in the bottom do we no we don't we don't because I mean I don't like to make predictions and say I've heard people say you know we're going to be up there Toronto are going to be up there I don't, you don't know it depends how, how that goes but say they are up there you know that's going to be it's going to be tough going to those sort of places isn't it and some, some you know, other sides in that league as well, London Broncos will be hard to play. And it's the other teams that they finish in the bottom four as well. You know, all the sides in Super League now are pretty strong, aren't they? I mean, if someone was to say to me, you now who do you think will be in the bottom four next season? I'd probably struggle to, you know, you'd probably say Witness will be mm. one of them because they've not recruited that well. But you don't know, they've got a lot of good young players there. Wakefield were good last season. Will they be as good again? Huddersfield. So I don't know. I don't know who I'd go for. Because I don't, I don't think Warrington will be in the bottom four again no. this time. So it's going to be, somebody's going to be, aren't they? Okay, yeah. Yeah, possibly. Maybe. A lot of people might say Salford. So mm. it is, it's going to be tough. And I think what you're going to find is last season, on the day I thought last season, anybody could beat anybody. Mm. Some, some games like that where you know, Lee beat us 25 mil, didn't they? They beat Wigan. And yet they ended up going down. And on the day, they put in some really good performances. So I think it's going to be a tight league. And I think that sort of gap on its day closes, doesn't it? So... Um, like you said before, though, going back to the, the, the squad situation, every side gets injuries, don't we? It's, it's part and parcel of the game. And if we, I mean, I've said it to my dad a few times that, oh, we can avoid injuries next season, but it's a daft thing to say, really, because we're not going to avoid injuries. You're mm. going to get them. It's how you sort of react to those injuries, isn't it? And as long as you've got the players, got the bodies in there, which we didn't have last season, that, that's the only thing that worries me. And we're going to have sort of less players this season, aren't we? So, kind of, it is a bit of a worry. Yeah, the thing that kind of, what worries me a bit is obviously we, we played, you know, fantastic, didn't we? Until we got to round about the semi-final and we got found out a bit. And I think Ian Watson, obviously, he's got an off-season now to, to rejig our team a bit and the style of play we're going to play, yeah. you know, we're going to play because we don't want to be kind of going down the same route because other teams will know who the danger men are and will set up, you know, to beat us, won't they? So we need a slightly different, you know, move it around a bit because obviously we, we think Ian Watson, you know, he's, he's a, Brilliant coach. I'm sure he has thought about this. It's not like it's going to creep up on him, is it? You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm confident, you know, with, with the players he's coming in, uh, we'll change our style slightly and then we'll be able to put in another great performance and get back to the uh, top four, top eight. I think Ian Watson learned an awful lot last season, mm. you know, about himself and about how he coaches at the top level because let's say, right, he's not, he's not been coaching at the top level for 10, 20 years, has he? He's, he's been doing it a couple of years now, I think. It, he'll probably be the first to admit that every season he's learned. And he's improved, and I think he has. I think every year he's added a bit more to his, more strings to his bow, hasn't he? And you know, he spends a lot of time, doesn't he, off the training field, analysing things. And I'm sure he's looked at combinations and, and he's learned from that big game experience. I mean, if you go back to the Super 8s last season, these teams like Wigan and Leeds, they're tuned in for, for these big performances. Like Castleford as well, to a certain extent. Hull, they've got that squad, haven't they? They've got a big pack of forwards, a big squad that they can call, they've got academies, reserve teams that they can call, and they've got a lot in their armoury, haven't they? And that's what we're going to be competing at if we want to compete at the top table. So Ian's got a big job on, and he, he probably, um, he's probably one of the biggest jobs in Super League, isn't he? Mm. You know, with, with the budget there on as well, we're probably on the, the lowest sort of, uh, you know, salary cap budget as any of the other sides, so it is a, it's, it's a big task for Ian, but um, I think Ian's the man for the job, I think he's, he's growing in experience, he's learned a lot from Tim Sheen's, and you listen to Ian talk he knows what he wants and I think he'll get the best out of the players yeah talking about learning I think the players will obviously learn from that sort of experience last year with the semi-final and the, the top four finish and they'll bring that into this season won't they um, you know and they'll know because I, I think you know it's all about winning games that are 50-50 kind of games like OKR Wakefield at home you know games that you think well, could go either way if you win enough of them and nick the odd one away gets you in the eight um, obviously we front-loaded last season and I think that that needs to happen again because the way we are as a kind of a club, we need to be in that top eight now consistently for the next sort of three to five years to build kind of a momentum and the people outside the sofa are devil's bubble because they'll be looking at last season thinking, yeah, fair enough, finishing the top four, got to a semi-final, what happens now? So we need exactly the same kind of performances, getting into that top four, top eight, quarter-final, semi-final of the Cup sends a message out outside our bubble to fans who are, who come and, you know, will oh, come watching if they're playing against Wigan or come and watching against Warrington and they don't put in a performance and then they disappear again, don't they? So we need a bit of consistency. But it's going to be tough. It's not going to be hard. It's not going to be easy, is it, playing against these sides? You know, you need to be able to be on top of your game for the next sort of, you know, three to five years to put us where we want to be. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're totally spot on. You're totally spot on, Robin. 
the, the biggest sort of thing for me is the halfbacks. Mm. If the halfbacks can click, you're halfway there, aren't you? And that, to me, is the, the main point of the season. And last season, if you if you go back to that Warrington game, which we harp on about <laughs> when we beat Warrington, and we seemed to dip after that, didn't we? Mm. I don't know. There was a lot to be said for the Dobson Louis Todd Carney thing. Did we upset the apple cart bringing bringing Todd Carney? In? I don't know because I thought he played well in that game, and it gave Michael Dobson that that break. And if you think back now to that the season um, after that Warrington game, we played two home games and against Wakefield and Hull, mm. and we just wore Warrington on the wrong ground. You'd expect us to beat both two teams, and we didn't. And to me, that's a mark of respect for Wakefield and Hull and how strong that Super League competition is now because you can't sort of roll up and say, we're only playing for this game today, we're only playing with this today. Because mm. every side now, he's not going to roll over here. They're all going to perform, aren't they? Yeah. For me, though, the Todd Carney thing was, obviously, Rob Lewis, Michael Dobson, Todd Carney, three halfbacks who were, you know, pros who, you know, expect to be playing that first team every week, don't you? And obviously, two, three to two don't go. And, you know, having Todd Carney just be in there, put that little bit of pressure on Rob Louie yeah, and Michael Dobson. You brought the best out. Exactly. So, with Todd Carney disappearing, leaving, with, with the moment, nobody's coming to replace him. And that's my, you know, concern. Is he? Is there another halfback possibly going to come in? Or is Ian Watson thinking, I can pull, you know, uh, Gaz O'Brien into halfback if I need to. But then that, him, Gaz O'Brien and Nile Ables will go in for the fullback position. So, one into two doesn't go, does it? No. Two at one don't go, sorry. So, you know, it's one of them where that extra pressure brings out the best in players for me. So it's... Well, yeah, I think we spoke about this between ourselves off, off air a few weeks ago, didn't we? That, that Naya Levels for us was going to be our number one mm. fullback. And I think, I mean, I don't know, I, I've not spoke to him for ages, but I know he thinks a lot of Niall, doesn't he? And he mm. thought about, a lot about him when he played last season. So if he does, Gareth O'Brien's a good player. He's probably too good to be left out on the side. Yeah. So then you, the only other position for Gareth... He's going to be scum half, you would have mm. thought, really. So you've got Robert Louis, Gareth O'Brien, then Little John's there. Is Little John going to be the new Todd Carney? We'll have to wait and see. I mean, this Little John could prove to be a cracking player. Yeah. I mean, let's give him a chance. Let's see see how he goes. But it's going to be exciting to see. You know, he's come with a good reputation, and I'm excited to see how he goes in the friendlies, and hopefully we can click it half back, whoever's at the, whoever the chosen two. Maybe. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, you know, players coming back, the likes of Mark Flanagan and Lamatazzi. Um, you know, the forwards are big, and obviously in rugby league, you get a big goal forward with your forwards. It's half the battle in it. Of course, it is, yeah. And you've got the guys that have come back from the World Cup as well. They're, they're a game experience over there, won't be playing against the best sides of the World Cup. Gary Benny and Manu Vatalai was over there in the Tonga squad as well. Tyrone McCarthy. We've not really spoke much about Ireland. Mm. Ireland won two games out of the three and they were unlucky in the game that they lost and it was a travesty how they didn't qualify for the quarter-final mm. but you know, Tyrone was over there an excellent tournament and um, he's someone perhaps we've not spoke about as much as we should have done he, he sort of slotted in really well and I know um, going on the polls on Facebook and Twitter and things like that we've been talking about who the new captain's going to be and I think Tyrone McCarthy's had quite a lot of thumbs up for, for that hasn't he so we'll have to keep our eyes peeled who actually gets uh, nominated and voted for that by Mr Watson but uh, like we said the, the, I think the pack of forwards is strong when they fully fit, that's the only thing. We're, last season when we lost Tarzi, Mossop and Flanagan, that was mm. a big loss for me. But hopefully those guys are going to be back and fully fit. Yep. So hopefully, you know, big set of forwards, few more signings comes in. We turn into it, we'll keep our spot in that uh, top eight. Uh, next bit of news, new shirt out. Paul, very nice. Very nice. nice, yeah, very nice. Little red number, stripes across the chest, Steedon, the, the sponsor. Yeah. yeah. retro I think it's really nice. It, it does. It reminds me of the, the shirt that, that I first got late eighties, uh, eighty seven, eighty eight, around that time. The old, uh, the old four stripe one with um, Frenchman lining and mm. Cambrian soft drinks. We had there, didn't we? As our sponsors. The away kit to that was nice with the four yellow stripes that we played in the Lancashire Cup final in eighty eight. So I'm hoping that's going to be our new away kit. It was like a like a very very dark blue sort of colour, wasn't it? Is it blue? Was it blue and red? Like it was a very dark sort of navy. I, think. Mm. I can't remember now. Because when you watch the old videos, and I was only little at the time going to the cup final, but I've seen the video of it, and it's like a yellow... I've got a picture of Tech Sevens on the phone, I'll show you after <laughs> wearing it. And it is, it's like yellow, yellow stripes. It's on Facebook, someone will post it on our page or whatever, but I'm hoping that's going to be our away shirt, but obviously nobody knows it. But the home shirt's going back to that. Yeah, great, the socks are great, aren't they? Like nice red and white hoops, this is what we wanted, what I was asking for. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, it just looks really good, doesn't it? It's a classic design, and it's, um, it's not too much sort of... Look at some of the shirts now, and someone's throwing a tin of paint on them, don't they? But that's that is a really classic design, and uh, everybody seems to like it, don't they? And that's what you want. You want loads of people to buy them. One thing I'll just go on to now. Come, 
you know, um, on Saturday when I watched the um, the Tonga game, the semi-final, I was amazed at the atmosphere before the game. It was like a sea of red, you know, mm. in the crowd and all the hymns and all that. And I, I sat there and felt a little girl was saying, who's playing, Dad? I said, this is Tonga against England. And I thought it was Salford, you know, all the red in the crowd. And I thought, how amazing would that be if we could have that sort of, you know, everybody in the crowd had a shirt on and, you know, people buy into this. I mean, we're not going to have as many people as the Tongans had, but... Yeah. It would be great because if, if you go to like gowns like Hulk Air, a lot of them seem to buy the shirt, don't they? Mm. You go there, they all seem to. And if you get football, Newcastle United, when you watch them on the telly, everyone seems to have a shirt and don't they have that sort of sea of black and white, don't you? But things get a bit better. Yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, well, I, when I used when I go sort of away from home, I used to go on the train, I, I didn't wear a shirt because you get like thrown out of pubs because we had to, you know, sell yeah. shirts on. So I didn't. Well, I'll be honest, I, I never buy a, a, a club shirt. I've not bought one for years. No, no. It's not like expensive though, isn't it? But. You know, it's you know. I suppose. I fancy that one though. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely getting this one. <laughs> That's for sure. Because like you say, it's a retro one. I like my retro. On your Christmas list. So I'm well, Santa's there. Santa's uh, Santa's gonna gonna go and get at me. Hopefully, Christmas well, is coming. Well, that land on Saturday. So oh, I'll, yeah. I'll bring you one back. Yeah. If you've got any on his sleigh. Yeah. Christmas is coming. Goose is getting fat. He's put pennies in the old man's hat. Yeah. So let's get the uh, let's get buying the shirts, Paul. Because obviously, it generates sort of uh, you know cash for the club. You know, and they're able to then use that cash. I think it's been a big positive as well. Yeah. The shirt has been a positive message because. If you know the last few months or so or whatever last year, there's a lot of negative stuff on there about mm. the club. But this shirt seems to have like got everybody buzzing on it, and that's that's what we want. Positive things like this coming out of the club, and I think hopefully with a new board of trustees, that more like things like this are going to happen out. Everything's going to be positive when it comes out, and that's what we want. Positivity is the name of the game for me. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, new shirt out. I think it's says it start delivering on the seventeenth on the nineteenth of December, November, December. Hopefully Something the like club that. are going to have an open day, aren't they? They've yeah. not announced anything yet, but we usually have one, don't yeah. we? And if, if it's, it's normally around that time in December and you can get your shirts out and meet the players and things like that, it'd be great. That. Keep your eyes on the uh, the Facebook and, and the Twitter. The club are very proactive on Facebook yeah. at the moment, aren't they? It's, it's looking good. They're very positive. It's, it's up to date, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It finds everything out there. And that's how I sort of check it every day and make sure what's going on. Yeah, Adam and, Adam and Paul doing a great job. Obviously, Certainly they've right. got the material, aren't they, now? They're firing it out. And that's what those fans want. We want to be, you know, seeing the interaction. We want to see the, the things coming out. The club are doing a fine job for me at the moment certainly are certainly are Rob yeah it's, it's great to see and that's what you want you want your fingers on the pulse don't you and getting a message across to the supporters yeah uh, next bit of news Ian please like you said getting out the message uh, with a press release telling the fans that lots of positive stuff going on behind the scenes um, it's kind of important that they get this trust thing backed up back, uh, sorted quick so we can move on yeah, it certainly is. I know a lot of fans have, have said about that, haven't they? And I, I, you know, it makes me wonder whether it's getting delayed perhaps because a lot of the officials at the World Cup, mm. you know, that's been going on. A lot of the RFL are probably over there in Australia, aren't they? So I don't panic too much. I'm sure that'll get, get sorted sooner rather than later. And yeah, it's, I don't know, you always get supporters are worried about things, don't they? Because they care about the club. They just want stability, don't they? And you want to be told, yeah, everything's all right. So I think it was great that Ian Blees came out and, and said that, you know, Ian Blees, good man, good Salford man, and you know, he wants the best for us as well. And I think, it's good that we've got Ian there as a calming influence stirring our ship. You know, the two Ians are doing a great job. Yeah, I suppose you've got nothing to say or nothing to tell us. There's no point in kind of talking, really, is there? <laughs> I bumped, well, my dad bumped into him while we were uh, getting his season tickets and he was like, what's going on here? And he was like, you know, it's full season. Yeah, it? and, uh, you know, and, he, and he, I say it's difficult, obviously. And it's just, only November as well. Yeah, exactly, you know. Um, but lots lots of things hopefully happening and you know in a couple of weeks time it'll all be sorted hopefully what and you don't want Rob is you don't want um, your Twitter going mad all the time we, you know when we've had certain people running the club in the past and, and Twitter's been banging every day hasn't mm. it by certain things that they're putting on and not all of it's been good stuff a lot of it's been rubbish that we didn't need to put out mm. there you know what I'm talking about so is everybody else and we don't want that do we you don't want if, if the club's going to mention something it's just got the positive news that, that needs mentioning don't mm. be putting jargon and, and stuff on it doesn't need to put it on so. yeah I think that as well and I think obviously the club announcing it as the club that's important yeah, as well because yeah. you know you want Sulphur Devils to be the, the main kind of font of where the, all the information comes from and lots all the other clubs do it so you know I'm hoping even when this trust is organised and it's all set up that you know they let the club announce everything and announce the news and produce stuff and, and don't go over the top of it because you know we want this club to be out there as Sulphur Red Devils don't we and, it, and it's great you know obviously the trust are there and they're organising themselves and it's all getting you know sorted you don't want stuff being leaked Rob no is that what you're alluding yeah you know it's, it's just a matter of, of of getting behind the club and the club producing the magic which they're doing at the moment yeah, certainly, certainly, and uh, there's a lot to be positive about. Yeah, we can't wait now. We've got that mouth-watering friendly against Swindon mm. on the is it the fourteenth of January? The 
It's a Sunday, anyway. Yeah. It's a Sunday. It's uh, one o'clock kickoff, so yeah. that's going to be an exciting day. That's going to bring the whole city together, isn't it? And, and uh, it's our local rivals as well. You and I have both got friends at Swinton, and that's going to be a really good day, really exciting day. And I'm sure the club are going to have some more friendlies that are going to be announced as well. And the players are back in pre-season training now. I know Copy was back in this week, wasn't it, after his break, you know, coming back from the World Cup, so he's going to be there. So it's um, it's exciting times. Then you've just got, just the way you look at things now, you've just got another month, haven't we, I suppose, and get December out of the way, you get to January, and then the friendlies are starting, and then the season's going to start. So, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it now. Yeah, a bit of, uh, looking at a bit of community news now, uh, Paul, the Sulphur Devils Foundation, the Willows Memories thing happened at the Lowry uh, last week. You went, it was it was a good night, wasn't it? Oh, it was an absolutely brilliant night. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you, you mentioned that, because I, I forgot to, to speak, but it seems ages ago, and it was last Thursday, yeah, it took me, my mum and dad actually came with it. And um, we had a really good night. It was, um, wasn't in the main theatre, it was in like a side one. It was a bit like a cinema, really, you know, mm. like that sort of size. And it was full. It really was. It was absolutely packed out. It was great to see some old players there. Neil Baines was there. Paul Eighton was there. Morris Richards were there. Kenny Gill were there. McKennigan was there. I had a really good chat with McKennigan. I put my, my picture in on Facebook. What a lovely guy. He's a really good guy. He always played at Swinton, watched around at Salford. Really good character. My son talked to him for about an hour. He was telling me all sorts of old, old stories. It was fantastic. And then my dad actually went over and spoke to Morris and uh, Morris Richards and Kenny Gill, and it was like a dream come true for him. Not to speak to two of his, his heroes he'd watched growing up. And I said to Kenny Gill, I said, it's made my night as well because I, I spent the last sort of 20 or 30 years living with my dad. Him telling me about you guys, and I was studying here talking to you, and they, they were absolutely made up. They really was. And they were so humble about what they'd done. And he was telling us about that great side of the 70s. And I think, you know, it touched people's hearts watching that video because it was a fantastic production. You know, John Blackburn and the Foundation did a great job making that. And, um, no, it was just great to see it and all the memories of the, of the Willows on there. And it, it, it was sad at the end, you know, when it sort of showed footage of it all coming down and the, the, the bulldozers in there taking it down. And it, you know, the, the mosaic's going to be there now, but it is sad because you sort of know now they've built something on it. It's never going to be back yeah. again. I mean, I used to, I think I put this on Facebook, I used to dream when they knocked it down about winning the lottery and rebuilding it piece for piece. <laughs> it's sort of it, its own now that you can't do that now because they've built yeah. it has gone and but. We've still got a lot of memories, and it's great that you can you can get that on DVD for a tenner as mm. well. Um, the Willows memories, so you, you can always keep that and look back on it. I think a lot of people thought that Paul that you know it might they might go back, but obviously with the houses now yeah. there, there's no going back, and that, and that's a good thing for me because obviously we can all pack of the Willows, and it was a fantastic rugby league uh, ground. The atmosphere was fantastic, but that was now I was then, and this is now in it. We had the ADL. Fantastic though. It wasn't always. No, we had some bad days. Yeah, we did. Let's 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 be right about that. I was talking to somebody about that the other day, and you know, there was a lot of bad times. Wasn't there? I, mean, mm. I can remember some hiding. There, you go back to the late nineties, early two thousand. Mm. You know, people like Castles are coming and putting seventy points yeah. on home. London beating fifty on there. Warrington sixty on there. So there was a lot of dark days, weren't there as well? But obviously, the, the good times of the of the seventies that we we only know about from our parents. Our dad's telling us, but uh, a lot of memories there. A lot of great players graced the ground and. You know, a lot of international games there, playing Australia, New Zealand, things like that. A lot, a lot of, you look at the old photographs now, it's it's just great that we've got so many bits and I mean, I know I'm always putting pictures on, on Facebook and things like that. I'm a bit obsessed with it because I'm yeah. looking at old photographs and, and reading about things. So we've got the memories and I'd advise anybody to get all that DVD if you can because it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, so get your DVD from the Sulphur Red Devils Foundation uh, and uh, put that on the old Christmas list. Um, next bit of news, the club down, donated £2,000 to the Salford Heart Okay, uh, pretty good that obviously in the community you know they're donating money to the people of Salford yeah certainly that was great to see great cause as well and that's what we want we want the, the community and the, the club to, to work hand in hand don't we and that's the way to go forward if, if you can get people in the, the community to love the club and know who we are then you become a focal point I think you use that word quite a lot don't you, you become like a beacon in the community <laughs> that's what we want though Robin. Yeah. If, you, if you go to other sort of towns and, and, and clubs are in the Super League that people go to that town they know about the club don't they mm. you know <clears throat> and that's what we want to be we want to be the number one don't we in Salford yeah talking about sort of community as well it was I read on Twitter today you read on Twitter today about trying to get organised a, a kind of a World Cup uh, breakfast kind of thing at the AJBL Stadium the £10 club kind of put it out saying 10 quid for a bar and a brew and it was a bit like it was a good idea that for me but yeah, ten pounds a lot. Well, for me, I'm I'm looking at it possibly because it's all about you know getting people down and and getting together for this World Cup final because it's last last time it happened twenty two years ago, wasn't it? And the club were looking at trying to get that happen, but like you like we said there, ten pounds quite a lot. If it had been five quid, 
I'm sure you'd have sold it out, but for a fiver, the club have to you know make make sure they cover the cost. The AJ Bell have to cover the cost, don't they as well? So I can understand why it is a tenner, but it's just a bit gutting, really. Yeah, it, I think um, Dog and Parch is doing something, aren't they? Right. I think they're, Dennis is having a bit of a Christmas party there. I right. know a few supporters are going to that. I mean, I can't go because I'm going to Lapland with the kids on Saturday morning, <laughs> so I'm a bit miffed about that. So I'm not going to be able to play the World Cup final. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Fancy holiday, man. I know. Go and see Santa and all that. Well, she can't put one in the season because I won't miss her. No, it's true. You've got to take him away sometime, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's a good idea. They used to have things like, I remember my dad going to, um, when I was, I think it was, Test series, so sure. my dad went down. It was in '92, and we played the test series over there. I'm sure it was it the, the test series in '92. My dad went down to the Willows, and he had something on there in the morning. It was in Australia, so it was like dead early in the morning. I remember him going down there for like a breakfast, and I think it was the test series because it was the third test that's the decider. I think we won the second test, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Then another, the sort of it built up every week. In fact, there was about 50 people there the first week, 100 the next week, and then the next week they were queuing up down Willows Road to get yeah. in. So. Uh, so yeah, things that are great, but yeah, just I just thought you know, make it like a donation, yeah, a donation or, or like it's sort of an amateur club or something, you know, make it a donation and give it to the uh, the, the rising stars, yeah, something like, something like that. Yeah, but it's one of them, you know, I suppose everyone have their own plans, won't they, for for the World Cup? Do the do the club sort of get the monopoly on that, or is it? Like the stadium people, I don't know, sort of I don't, I don't know how it works, me, but I, I just I'm sure they'll be thinking they need to buy the room and they need to buy the food and they need to get the people behind the bar and you know, all kind of adds up, don't it? That's why probably the price yeah, yeah. it was. Sometimes you come up with these ideas and you don't understand sometimes yeah. the logistics of things, dear, what things what things take. I mean, I wouldn't know where to start organizing something like that, but but yeah, I, I hope something gets sorted because it's it's you know, like you said, there it's 22 years since we were last in a world cup mm. final in 1995. So I think we've got a great chance of winning as well. Yeah, we'll be talking about that in a bit. Uh, final bit of news we've got is uh, the Sulphur Devil Carpool on Twitter, Paul. Kind of a Twitter uh, sort of um, people on Twitter who organise transport uh, for fans who can't get to games both home and away. That's fantastic, I think, for, you know, because the transport issues some people have. Uh, and if you uh, tweet them at SRD Carpool, uh, they'll organise, uh, you know, see if they can match up with somebody who has a car who is willing to give you a lift. Yeah, that's a great idea because if you look at, I think Dave Campbell was telling me today um, about the, the sort of where people live, you know, the geography of the mm. club. There's lots of people, <coughs> excuse me, who live in Bolton, lots of people who live sort of, there's a few people in Rochdale. Everybody's spread all over, Berry, Presswich. So there's, there's, it's not just Salford where the people live. So if you've got a car and you say you're going on your own, you've got three or four spare seats in your car depending on what you drive. And you can set people from your area. That, that's brilliant, isn't it? And the more people that go, the better. And hopefully we'll have coaches on as well for the away games. And you know, we can start taking a big away following, get behind the, the team. It all builds momentum, doesn't it? And adds to, to, to build our club. Yeah, to, to obviously, like you said, momentum and mobilising uh, the, the Red Army. Because obviously, you know, there's a lot of soul fans who might not have yet get to the games. And if, if this, you know, this takes off uh, and people, you know, are able to, to sort of join other people who have transport who live in the same kind of area, we'll build our crowds, we'll get bigger crowds, which generates more money for the club, uh, which basically makes us a bigger and better club. So I think it's fantastic, you know, the people involved in that. Uh, and just check it out on Twitter. That's why I say, Paul, what do you think? Yeah, certainly. I mean, we get a bit of stick, don't we, for our uh, support sometimes, but I think you can't knock out away support. We always seem to take a good following away mm. from all the loyal, loyal bunch of people and you, you see the, the faces, don't you? You recognise at the away games and Sulfur supporters get behind them as well, so the more we can set, the better. We really can. Like I said, if we can hit this this season with momentum, we can beat Wigan. if we could knock Wigan off on that first game, we can really, really go places this season. I really think we can. And uh, yeah, the, things like that, you know, the, the great ideas. I don't know who comes up with all these ideas, but uh, you know, some people come up with some fantastic stuff. You know, Twitter's a, an amazing thing. I'm not on it, as you know. Um, <laughs> I nearly went on it the other day, but I'm still a bit frightened about going on it. <laughs> Cause I could just about get, I don't, I don't know, I don't, what's it like, Rob? Can, can I trust it? Because I, I don't know, I like, I do Facebook and I do the Anorax page on Facebook. And I, I love doing that and I'm glad to say some people have started putting some pictures on it. It just used to be me and I thought, I'm keep plugging up people's Facebook. But <laughs> a few people have actually started putting Put photos on now and I just, can I just say, you're welcome to, please, don't just let it be me. If you've got anything to put on about Salford, put it on, please. It makes me not look like as sad as I am. <laughs> but I was thinking the other day about, about doing Twitter because my wife's on Twitter and, I said to myself, it's not a minefield though. Wouldn't I get people like, having a go at me and things like that? That's all I'm scared of, but as mm. long as it's safe and no one's going to bully me. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, what it is, for my opinion, it's kind of Facebook is like kind of mates, what you yeah. stay in a group, but with Twitter, it's yeah, like everybody. walking about, just shouting. 
random outside. So, you know, if you, you know, when people sort of talk to players and give them stick, blah, 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 or give stick to Ian Blees or give stick to people, right? If, if it's one of them, would you, would you say it to the face? Because that basically with Twitter, it always, it always gets back to, to, to them people, don't it, at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, but it is a fantastic thing, uh, so to sort of, uh, coordinate and, you know, connect with people. Because obviously with, with a, with a podcast, we've got like nearly, sort of 1,500 odd people follow us on, on, on Twitter, which is brilliant. Which is good, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. you know, and, and people is, our, our kind of interaction on Twitter is amazing. And we, you know, we, we haven't even get any negative stuff on it, usually all right. No, well, you used to get negative stuff about the sound, but it was, it was like wrapped up in a positive way. It's like, love the show, sort the sound out. That was the kind of the thing. But, you know, I, I, but for me, as long as you're constructive, it's good for me. The support is very good, aren't they? Mm. I think they're very, very fair with us, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Everybody seems okay, so. Well, yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah, I might go on Twitter, though. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go, as soon as we... Uh... I, I have the philosophy, though, if you've got something positive to say, say it. I mean, I'll do that on Facebook. I'll never say anything bad about it. No. I'd never like slag a play. It's like, you'll see people talk about, you'll go on, a, say, a rugby league site, and I think there's a few on... on uh, Saturday, as soon as England had won, I was reading some comments. I, I think it was the Super League or something like that. And the people were sort of saying, Oh, it won't be Australia in the final. And I thought, Well, I ain't even positive. Yeah. So, but I think, do you know, I think that's a society thing. People do tend to be negative about everything these days. Well, so, well, it's about spinning it. You've got to yeah. spin positively. And, and that's, you know, the kind of thing we hopefully do on this show. We, we kind of always have a positive look out of what's going on at Salford yeah, Devils. Think, well, I've always been a positive. Yeah. You, I think being a Salford supporter, you have to be. Because it is. If you're going to take your ball over the time we got beat over the years, you just end up sitting in the corner crying. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to be sort of an half, a glass yeah. half, sort of empty person. Or is it half full? Sorry, it's the... Half full. Yeah, the yeah. one that's you're like, sort of happy-go-looking. I think you've got to be like that. Otherwise, you know, you'd be like, well, I'm not bothering going anymore. I'm not doing my season ticket. You see them, don't you? Yeah. I'm not doing my season ticket because Ben's gone and stuff like that. Yeah, well, suppose if you took your ball home every time Sofa got beat, you'd have a house full of balls. Wouldn't you? You wouldn't be able to live in the house because it'd be like, a, loft, like yeah. a garage. <laughs> garage rather than an house. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's great stuff. A lot of positive stuff's going on uh, at the Sofa Red Devils at the moment, Paul, and uh, hopefully more to come. So, next up on uh, the Devil in the Detail podcast, we've got Paul Whiteside's amateur report, and here it is now. Right, well, this week's Devil in the Detail amateur report, we shall start with Student Rugby League. There was just two results last Wednesday, the 22nd of November. In the universities, Northern 1A Division Manchester Met had a good win. They beat Sheffield by 28 points to 22. And in College Rugby League, Hopwood Hall went down 38 points to 22 in College Rugby League's Premier League against Burton. This week, there's a couple of fixtures, a couple of important ones as well in the universities. Wednesday, the 29th of November, the Northern 1A Division, it's Manchester Met against Edgehill. And there's a big derby clash in the Northern 2A division where Manchester take on Salford. In the College Rugby League, just one fixture in the Premier League, Hotwood Hall take on Halifax. Bit of student uh, news for you. Student Rugby League focuses on the representative arena at the weekend as ambitious players take the first steps towards selection for the England universities. Yorkshire will host the Midlands and the South East will entertain the South West on Saturday the 2nd of December and on Sunday the final game involving the North East and the North West will take place. Players who impress will be invited to take part in a North v South game at the turn of the year in the next stage of the selection process. Well there was lots of big award nights at the weekend and we'll start off with Folly Lane. They were presented with the Division 1 Champions uh, Shield. That was at Lee Minor Rangers there. Fell in a great season and they collected the trophy there at that awards night on Friday. A bit of news from Salford Roosters. The Rooster Cubs are training on Thursdays between 6 and 7pm for boys and girls aged between 4 and 6. Their aim is to teach the little ones some new skills and have plenty of fun and make some new friends. Their play programme is non-contact, so don't worry about any tackling injuries, but they play their rugby through tag rugby. And that is at the Salford City Roosters, as I said, Thursdays, 6 to 7, for ages 4 to 6. They've also got a Christmas party as well that's been confirmed for Sunday, the 17th of December, between 11 and 1. So you can contact them on Facebook and Twitter if you want to get involved with that. 
Well, now moving on to one of our other local sides, Cadizet Rhinos. They had an awards night at the weekend as well for their under-14s and under-11s. Their respected head coaches, Paul Elliott and Paul Chaplin, were joined by Salford's Gareth O'Brien to give out the awards. And we'll start off with the under-14s. The best newcomer award went to Cameron MacDonald. The under-14s had some players playing up a year. Some of the younger lads uh, jumped up to play in that, so they had a Young Player of the Year award, and that went to Sam Crowver. Jay Pollock was the top try scorer award. Ben Jones got the the club person of the year award for his superb attitude and effort in training and helping his teammates and coaches so well done there Louis Saunders was the most improved player award Jack Burroughs got the players player of the year award and the player of the year went to Ellis Linney in the under 11s they did really well this season under their first full year under coach Paul Chaplin and their awards were as follows best newcomer was Adam Fairhurst club person of the year went to Ben Appleby most improved award went to Matthew MacDonald top try scorer went to Josh Alori and the team's player of the year, voted by his teammates, went to T. Kua Leaf. I hope I've got his name right there. And player of the year went to Sam Burrow. So congratulations to all the young lads there at Caddy's Ed Rhinos. And everyone on Devil and Eater wishes you all the best for a great 2018. Well, finally, on this week's amateur report, we'll just look back at the, at the World Cup. I know the World Cup's not amateur, but we'll start off with the Women's World Cup. It was a commiserations for England in their final Group A game. They went down 22 points to 16 against the Cook Islands, but they did qualify for the semi-finals. The rest of the results were New Zealand 38, Papua New Guinea 0. That was in Group B. And in the Group A stroke B game, Australia beat Canada Ravens by 88 points to nil. So the semi-finals were lined up. It was New Zealand against England and Australia against Canada and New Zealand put England to the sword they beat us by 52 points to 4 Australia qualified for the final as well they beat Canada by 58 points to 6 so that final between Australia and New Zealand will take place before the Men's World Cup final on Saturday at Brisbane so yep as we said England got through in the World Cup as well the Men's World Cup England hung on to beat Tonga by 28 points to 18 Australia beat Fiji 54-6 so that game kicks off at 9 o'clock English time on a Saturday morning. So that's all I've got for you this week. I'll catch you next week. So, England face Australia in the World Cup um, on Saturday, Paul. Bit of a scare against Tonga. What a game that was. Oh, it certainly was, wasn't it, Rob? Very, very exciting game. We were saying before, it just goes to show <clears throat> what happens when you get that roll on. Because wasn't that game a bit like the Salford away game at St. Helens? Mm. We played really well for 70 minutes and then St. Helens pipped us. It was a bit like that, wasn't it? We sort of, I thought we defended really well for the vast majority of that game. We really kept Tonga quiet and their huge pack of forwards. Once they got that try, they seemed to get the momentum and they were like a juggernaut. We just couldn't stop them then. I think if that game had gone on for another five minutes, we probably would have lost, wouldn't we? But um, contentious decision at the end. How did, how did you see it, that, that knock-on? Well, for, for me, I think it was a try for me because obviously we've seen we've seen it happen before, haven't we? With a one-on-one ball steal and, and, and then obviously he rolls over and scores a try. It's a massive call for the on-field referee to give it, especially when you've got a video referee available. Uh, but obviously for me if Ben Thaler sends us out of the World Cup he can't go home <laughs> it's as simple well, as that it's been a tough one for him yeah it's funny really I mean do you know what if he'd if it have gone to the video referee and they give a try I don't think I'd have been up in arms and saying that I hate Ben Thaler um, I could understand the reasoning behind it because yeah. it did look like a ball seal and Andrew Fafita regathered it and scored so and then when you look at the, the tackle the England player doesn't look like he's looking at the ball he's sort of going for a tackle and takes the ball out so is it a loose carry I mean 20, 30 years ago, it would have just been a loose carry, wouldn't mm. it? And for me, Jermaine McGill, we had the ball stolen off him a couple of sets set before. That, yeah. that was given as a knock-on, so was the referee just being consistent? Because he's a good referee, that guy. Yeah. And, you know, he refereed the game really well, I thought. He, you know, he wasn't as having a penalty when he let the game flow. And so was he just being consistent? It, to me, if I was Ben Thaler sat there, I probably would have been booking it. Mm. Is he going to give this upstairs to me? Or am I going to have to make this decision? And, and to be honest, in Super League, I think they do that a lot. The yeah. referees on field cop out, don't they? And, oh, hand it upstairs to him, let him deal with it. And, and basically, that's what he would have done. He would have said, I'm not making that decision. You make it. And he didn't. He had the balls to... I'll say that. Sorry. Yeah, he just did. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. It's not swearing. No, it's true. He had the, the stomach. Apologies. He had the stomach to um, to make that that call yeah. on, on field, and I think you've got to give him respect for for that because if he hadn't done it, he'd have gone upstairs to the video referee. Ben Fayler could have spent about ten minutes couldn't he, looking at that, and, and would he have, would he have really know? And what would he have given out as his on field decision? Would he have given no try or try? For me, though. If it was Super League, that goes upstairs. Yeah, it wouldn't, that it goes upstairs and Tonga win the game. Of course, do, yeah. So it's it's a massive call from the referee. But that's what we want. We want our referees to be strong, don't we? But do you not think the World Cup games have been refereed different to Super League? I do. Different? I in think international referees referee different to Super League. How different? I think Super League, they let everything go. Hmm? I think a lot of things are let go in Super League. It's like when it's on Sky, it's like forward passes seem to go, knock on seem to go, and everything just seems to go, doesn't it, sometimes? And I think. When it's on the telly, the, the, the commentators, when they commentate, they say, oh, give benefit of the doubt to the attacking team, you know, it's a try. And, and sometimes you think, well, it's not, well. And I think there was enough doubt there in, in that incident to, to say it's not a try. And I, th- I think he made the right decision, but you could, you could talk about that decision for, for years, couldn't you? And you could have 50% of people saying it was a knock-on. And you know what, Rob? I, I could... Agree with people who said it was a try for Tonga, and I could agree with people who said it's, it's a knocker because it was that great, it was that hard to make that decision. I think it's a 50 50 call. So, does, does that mean they have to kind of change the rule to make it more black and white? I think so. I think, I think I've said it for years. I think you should go back to how it used to be, where it was up to the ball carrier to keep hold of it so mm. anyone can take the ball out because I think it's too great. It should be up to you to hold on to the ball. So, for me, get rid of the one on one ball steal and just anyone can set the ball because because people might say oh that'll give a free for all and everyone will try to run the ball but they weren't 30, 20 years ago were they? A lot of messing about though they play the ball now isn't that there in a tackle that does need cleaning up the play the ball yeah. I mean if you watch the Australian game the NRL game their rook's a lot cleaner now with yeah there's two referees though isn't there yep and is no. that not the way we need to go I think we do I think if you look at do. football FIFA or whatever I mean I know they're not everybody's cup of tea but the way football is uh, the structure of their game is everything's the same isn't it if you have a, a referee, say the, the rules of the game in Brazil mm. are the same as the rules in Scotland, England, Ireland, Spain, or whatever, won't they? Whereas in rugby league, you've got two nations in Australia and England, or Britain or whatever, and you've got a totally different setup. You've got yeah. two referees in the Australian sport, and then we've only got one, so mm. shouldn't it be the same across the board? Yeah, I think it should be. But then that comes down to RFL. You know, can they hire double the amount of referees? Because well, yeah. the amount of referees you've got now, you have to double that, plus people who get injured. You know, referees get injured, don't they, as well? Yeah, so you'll need a few more. Not many people want to be referees. Yeah, exactly, with all the pressure. Because, like you said, you make a bad decision, you know, everyone gets on top of you, doesn't it? And it, it, I think that's, like, like you said, we were talking about society before, weren't we? Yep. You know, that's, you know. I think referees get an awful lot of stuff. Yeah. I think they get an awful lot of unneeded stuff as well. I mean, you hear people saying every week, don't you? Oh, he was a referee this week, or mm. somebody, I don't like him. And I'm thinking, you shouldn't make any difference. I mean, they, they do make mistakes, human mm. but I don't think referees go out to a game saying, I don't want to solve it. I don't want Wakefield to win. I'm going to make Wakefield. I don't yeah. think that happens, Rob. I think it's rubbish that book. Well, like I say, referees get conned by players as well. Yeah. So, the, you know, they, they get influenced by a crowd. Yeah. You go to Edinburgh and they've got 16,000 mm. lead supporters behind them. They'll, they'll give a decision because they've got all those people shouting out. Because it's only, it's not referee only get conned when it's against your side. You never see someone say, oh, you know, oh, there's a lot of times, I think, when you watch a game and you're crying out and you say, we need a penalty here to get out. Yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> and we get one. Times, yeah. yeah, and we get one and we're like, yay. But then it's the other way around. You're like, oh, that was never a, never a you're penalty. You're on the back foot away at Wigan and you, you can't get out of your 20. You're screaming out, we need, we need one you here. Need some, yeah. We need somebody here to get us out of jail. And, and it's true. I mean, the referee's never missed a tackle and the referee's never knocked on. So if you actually analyse the game, most of your mistakes have come from your own players. Yeah. Well, the players know that as well because they, 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 they yeah. kind of like, you know, they try and, you know, push the envelope as much as they can. And that's what it's all about. It's about winning, I suppose, at all costs, yeah. in a way. Because that's what rugby league is, you know, with the financial part of it. You know, if you can buy a penalty, which then results in a 20-metre uh, kick for touch, then results in a set of six where you score a try. No one looks back at that, you know, uh, by belly flop you did. The Tonga in England game. It could have gone either way. Mm. It really could. But what a game. What yeah. a great game. What a great, as I said before, what a great atmosphere. The, you know, the, the Tongan supporters, the, they made that something special. When I was watching that game, I sat with my little girl before the game, the atmosphere was tremendous. I mean, my little girl is not really into rugby league, but she sat there, she was listening to the anthems, that, that dance that they did at the start, the, the supporters, so passionate singing hymns and all sorts, and it just looked electric. And even the commentators said they couldn't even hear each other. Yeah, it's mad. it was a magical uh, um, a moment. You know, a lot of people uh, talking about the World Cup, you know, the actual kind of uh, coverage of it, Paul. 
you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the people out there like Gaz Walker and Gaz Carter, you know, and is it Ian Leatham out there as well, you know, doing some fantastic, um, you know, um, advertising and news, you know, getting all the news for us. And that's, and that's what I think is really good. A lot of people say they're not getting much in the national press, but I think that's wrong. No, I think the, the, the journalists, you know, that we see every week, you know, Gareth Walker and, uh, you know, Julie Stott, who does the, the Daily Star, Dave Woods does a fantastic job at BBC, and Dave Woods did the, uh, the commentary for the World mm. of Memory and did a brilliant job on that as well, I must add. But I, I think the, the coverage on the BBC has been superb. I'll tell you who is good, that Mark Chapman. I think yeah. he does a fantastic job. I think the pundits have been good as well. They've been really interesting. The Justin Holbrook's been on the St. Helens coach. He's really good, really fair. John Wilkin, Kevin Sinfield, they've all done a great job. Um I've really enjoyed the BBC coverage. I've not got the Premier Sports, so I've not seen any of the games. But even Tanya Arnold's and the highlights, we spoke to Tanya, she's very passionate. I think the BBC have done a really good job in the World Cup, and I think their rugby league coverage has vastly improved. As regards the newspapers, I don't really buy daily newspapers, but I know Gareth Walker does an awful lot in the um, Daily Mirror. Mirror. Uh, Gary Carter does loads of stuff in the Sun. Julie Stock does the Daily Star, so we are covered in those papers. They yeah. do a great job. They only they only get the the, the space that those newspapers give them. Yeah. So you can't have a go at them for that. They do a great job in the work. Yeah, I think it's all about the editors. Obviously, they, course, they'll yeah. they'll say I've got you know uh, Football, Wayne Bennett. Yeah. Well, I've got Wayne Bennett. I've got Sean Lachlan. Can you fit me a full page spread? And they'll look at the editor might look at it and think, well, I can give you you know a little bit at the end, a little bit on the corner, and then that's the kind of battle that they have to fight don't they end of the day yeah. um, and obviously if people aren't happy with that it's not a matter of having a go at the you know the, the actual journalist you need to speak to the editors don't you email the people Steve McCormick been doing a great job as well doing yeah. photographs yeah. Yeah. based on some cracking pictures yeah. over particularly like the one he got with um, Ben Masilla Mas- yeah. Mas- yeah. it was a great picture I hope he's having a great time as all the Salford supporters who are over there at the moment I hope yeah. Shirley and Alan and Bill and Sue, yeah, they're all out there as well, and it's yeah. it's great. Obviously, so fans get out there and you know supporting the the club. I think uh, right, he's been Ryan out there as well. I think Ryan, I gone. think he is. Yeah, I saw something here. He gets about, doesn't he? He does. He does. Pot him out, Ryan Wilkinson. He'll be there in Australia. To teach I, think them all. I think there's been quite a few. I mean, I've noticed the flags that were there. There's a couple of Swinton flags mm. out and Salford flags. I didn't really see many others, but Salford and Swinton seem to be. Uh, Taking over, didn't they? Which is great to yeah. see. So I hope they've all had a great time. Let's just hope we can beat Australia and bring that World Cup home. How do we come away with a victory, Paul? That's a big question. Expansive game. Play an expansive game. Mistakes to a minimum. Try and keep it tight. You know, we've got to defend like, you know, our lives depend on it. But let's not just get dragged into an arm wrestle because you're not going to beat Australia in the middle. You're going to beat them by taking a chance. We've got some good backs, some good outside backs. Jermaine Magoo, we've got excellent. Gareth Widdop, I think, has been a revelation at full back. Um, you're going to miss Josh Hodgson he's going to be out so James Rowe is going to be starting hooker I don't know who they're going to spell with him because they brought Chris Heitington in today he's coming to the squad so he's going to be on the bench all the part so James Rowe is going to have to do big minute James Rowe is good he's a good impact player off the bench but he can do it he can do the business well, yeah. it's just whether we can get that 80 minutes out of him I think where the problem is with, <coughs> with sort of when you say you want to play expansive rugby that means errors might our, occur. Take, yeah, I think we've got to take our chances. Move yeah. the ball and take chances. You've got to give Australia something to think about. Mm, I think a smart of trading. You've got to trade sets with them for me. And when your chance comes, you, you take it. Game. Your kicking game needs to be good as well. You yeah. can't be dollying the ball up to the Australians and giving it away to them on the halfway line. You get, get that ball behind them. Get them turning round for it and making them work as hard as possible yeah. to get to our try line. I always think with Australian rugby league, they kind of like ask you questions on every tackle. Of course they do. When in, in a lot of sort of England... Sort of rugby league, you kind of build your first couple of tackles, just building a platform, aren't you? Mm-hmm. To then, you know, expand your attack. When Australian rugby league bits, I see because oh, I'm not, I've got Premier Sport, so I don't watch it all the time. But the get you know highlights, I see every tackle is a, is is a is a is a moment, you know, yeah. that could happen. You get an offload or away, and they and they go bursting on the way, and there's a lot of people around the rook kind of like know spring into action mm-hmm. at that point. And, and Australia as well. The, you can never ever clock off against them. Yeah, they'll play for eighty minutes, yeah. and they'll the amount of tries they must score in the last minute, you know, the seventy ninth minute, they'll mm. just keep going and going. And when you think they can't score, mm. bang, they'll be down the other end. They, they remind me of like a world champion boxer. They won't take every set of six to score them, but they'll just jab you, jab you, jab you, yeah. jab you, bang, and then they'll, 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 they'll make it count. They'll hit you when 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 you're vulnerable. Yeah, and also they know where your vulnerable spot is, yeah. so they'll keep coming back to that spot. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of times I think we don't seem to have that roof, roofulness. 
you know, to keep attacking, you know, at that weak spot. Yeah. Um, but that's why I'm the best in the world, aren't they, Paul? They just know how to win. I suppose they've got the history as well of winning a lot. So mentally, their, their players think, well, well, we'll win this rather than lose it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, big game. It's a big game Saturday. You're opening and can, you know, turn the, uh, the side of history. 1972, last one. Uh, Clive Sullivan running 100 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, You're going to give us a prediction, Bob. I'm going to go uh, Australia 12, England 30. 12 and someone like Bateman doing a bit of dancing. 12? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luke Gale Atrix. Kevin Brown, I think, is important for me. He's a bit of a maverick him. And is is this World Cup final set up for him <clears throat> to come out? He's a good player, Rob. I mean, he gets a lot of stick, but I think he's a good player. Yeah. I think on his day, you know, people slag him off last season. He was playing behind a bit of a beaten pack last mm. season and a team low in confidence and Warrington, but we all know what Kevin Brown can do when he yeah. plays. He's an excellent player and I don't care who plays in that side as long as they give it their all and don't leave anything on the changing room. Just, just give it all they can. Yeah, brother-in-law's a big Australian rugby league fan. He watches Australian rugby league on a Premier and he's always, he says, what does oh, he think? Oh, oh, we'll sad. get hammered. He's telling me we'll get hammered. But even looking back at the first game, we were, it was it was close, Paul, wasn't it? Going into the last 10 minutes, the only interception try was the, was the difference. If England, you know, if a lot of moments in that first game, I think, didn't, didn't Lachlan get tackled with a bit of an overlap on the if that goes through hands we go over in the corner changes of the game so it's, it does. it's those sort of things you've got to make sure they go in your favour yeah it's one of them what about you Paul what do you think are you uh, going to be an England victor on uh, Saturday um, I just hope we don't get battered Rob I just hope it's not one of those games because Australia are capable of, of, of putting a big score on, on, on anybody aren't they as long as we, we don't sort of play the occasion, you know, and, and get caught in the headlights. I think we've got a really good chance. Um, I'm going to back us because I always back Salford, I always back my team. Yeah. So I'm going to go for a tight one. I, I'm going to go for a tight win. Um, I'm going to go for Australia 12, England 16. 12-16, England. That's going to be a great victory for England and we can celebrate World Cup win. That's also Rob. So that was uh, the end of this week's Devil Lady Tale podcast. I've been Rob Parkson. Big sh- another great show, Paul. Yeah, really enjoyed it, Rob. Really enjoyed it. Can't wait for next week, mate. And uh, hope everybody enjoys uh, the trip and a safe journey home to everybody who's over there. Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook, Devil in Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITD SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Radio Contact. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Devil in the Teen Set.